0: This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 Podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. All
1: right, so it's 14 minutes past the hour of 11 o'clock. And since the beginning of the year, um, we've been reading numerous reports. And we've also heard anecdotally from young professionals who've called into the show and across many other platforms about the scarcity of posts for recent medical graduates. So trade unions, including the South African Medical uh, Association uh, Union, COSATU, Denosa, uh, and quite a few others, say we're looking at up to 1,000 Medical graduates who've completed their community service and residencies cannot find placements within the public health care system. For their part, the Department of Health recognized that there is a problem, that there's been a delay in recruitment and have given many reasons why there have been some challenges. But they say their figures show it's just around 200 uh, doctors who can't find placements, not 1,000. Now, be that as it may, we do know that South Africa is facing a huge demand uh, in medical services, particularly after the COVID wave and um, just the general sense um, that people's immune systems have just been compromised. And so there is a huge need for public health care, both rural and urban Um, we're told that in high-density areas like Soweto or uh, Tembisa uh, or big cities, um, people can wait up to five hours to be seen by a nurse or a doctor. And we know that in terms of elective surgeries uh, in the public healthcare sector, so if you needed to have a knee replacement done or a shoulder dislocation fixed, people can wait anywhere from 18 months to three years for that operation because there aren't enough surgeons in the public sector. And now we're told that what's adding complexity is the legal promulgation of the National Health Insurance Act because that is going to create more pressure on the public service because 90% of South Africans don't have medical insurance. And so people who are needing medical care will then also come through much more so to the public health service to do more complex um, surgeries. And so doctors and nurses feeling overwhelmed and overworked are opting to leave the country. And yet the city press, in looking at the general state of healthcare, care, uh, looked at a report that was published in 2019. But that pub- that report was doing a study in the sort of five or six years before Okay, so it was published in 2019, but it was really looking at the situation around 2014, 2015. And at the time, it was found that on a sample of 500 doctors, 89% of that 500 had opted to stay in South Africa, whereas 7% or so had opted to leave. So if you adapt those figures to today's numbers, are we really looking at a serious brain drain? Nobody's saying 7 or 8% departure, 10% of doctors leaving is not a big number, but it's not 90%. So are we looking at a serious brain drain and will we be looking at a serious brain drain um, with the coming of the NHI this year and its building blocks as well? So we're joined by Dr. Josie Letlape, president of the Africa Harm Reduction Alliance, co-founder of the African Medical Association. Good morning, doc.
0: Uh, good morning to you and good morning to the
1: listeners. Thank you so much always for coming through. We're also joined by Dr. Mvuisi Mzukwa, Chairperson of the South African Medical Association. Good morning, Doctor.
2: Good
3: morning to you and to your listeners and, then, and good morning to uh, Dr. Hosi.
1: Absolutely. Now, we know that Dr. Jose, um has done a lot of studies on uh, national health, on the national health insurance on the skills required on funding for health insurance. So, I'm going to bring him to the conversation just a little bit later on, in about three or four minutes. I'd just like to know from you, Dr. Mzukwa, is it a crisis? Is there a recruitment crisis? We hear 1,000, the department says 200. Um, Are they saying to us we mustn't panic? Should we panic? Is it 1,000? Is it 200? And does it really matter whether it's 200 or 1,000?
3: Well, thank you so much for that question. Um, I think we are really dealing with a, a crisis. Um, when it comes to recruitment and retention of medical practitioners in the country uh, you will note that um, we we are short on the ground um, we're looking at zero uh, point three per thousand in the public sector and one point seven five per thousand in the in the private sector so um and the world, Medica, uh, world health organization recommends one one into one thousand so if you look at our figures in South Africa, it really shows you that we are still uh, very far you know from reaching that goal now um again, if you look at the, the the training or the numbers that you're talking about now, it shows you that we've got enough training um we've got medical schools and and those that we are using from abroad are producing quite a lot in terms of producing medical practitioners. But uh, the country as it is now uh, is unable to uh, recruit and retain such practitioners. I mean, we're not talking about people who are are still doing community service or internship. We're talking about people who have already qualified. They've done their two-year internship. They've done their community service. But they cannot be absorbed into the system because government says they don't have enough money. And we know that there are uh, areas, you know, rural areas that are underserved. Um, the numbers, I'm not really uh, uh, particular about numbers because, uh, you know, everyone gives the their numbers, uh, you know, depending on where they stand. Currently, the South African Medical Association is is, uh, is compiling uh, data of those. And we're sitting, the last time I checked last week, we're sitting at 314 uh, practitioners. That doesn't mean we do not have that 1,000 that people are talking about. It means... We're talking about data that we can verify on our own, 314.
1: Okay, 314. And why can't they be absorbed in the public health care system, Dr. Mzugwa?
2: Well,
3: government says um, uh, they do not have a, enough budget. Uh, they've actually been experiencing uh, uh, budgetary cons- constraints uh, over the past uh, few years, You know, going down by 1%. And that means that they are not getting enough in terms of uh, such. And um, we, we also know that uh, there is planning, you know, um, but there's no implementation. If you, if you uh, recall, uh, you, you'll remember that in 2019, mm. there was a document that was compiled called the Human Resources for Health uh, Strategy 2030 um that document is still there uh I'm, i wouldn't say it's gathering dust because I, mm. i'm sure they are polishing it each day so you want to act that so but it's not it's not being implemented that's what i'm trying to say It's mm. not being implemented it's just a plan so we are planning but we are not implementing the other thing is if you look at it um, uh, um we, we do not have a coordination at a national level and the provinces, because each of these provinces are sending uh, students abroad, uh, and they come back. Sometimes they even, uh, you know, abandon them overseas because they they don't have money. Mm. And when they come back uh, in the country, they are not known by national government because provincial governments are not talking to national government. You know, we just have a fragmentation uh, mm. uh, uh, that 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 is out there. So those are the challenges that I think we're facing at the moment. But it does not mean on the ground we do not have shortages. I mean, like you said in your introduction, we've got overwhelmed uh, m- medical practitioners yeah. who cannot, you know, uh, uh, take the the, the numbers that they see each day. I mean, in some, in some uh, areas, you find a, a, an outpatient department mm. where one doctor is seeing more than 80 to hundred patients, right. sure. and you you'll understand, you know, that there will be no proper investigation of each of those patients that right. are presenting to that hospital. Okay, if that
2: sort of okay. Such so I, I, there's
1: just a few things I want to clarify, Doctor Mzuko, and then I want to bring Doctor Litsape in. So you're saying the figures, even though not conclusive, you know, the media and the public are reporting on a thousand doctors have given testimonials to say. I'm not working. And this comes from the um, trade union, Samatu, and a few others. You're saying, on record, it's about 314. So the truth is somewhere in between all these numbers. Is that the first thing you're saying?
3: Yeah. No, uh, I'm not disputing the numbers that are out there, whether from Samatu or whichever source. Yeah. All I'm saying is that from a South African Medical Association perspective, Right. We have records that are sitting at 314 and okay. we're still counting.
1: All yes. Right. Which is still high regardless.
3: Yes, yes, they're correct.
1: Okay. You're also saying that many uh, young doctors receive bursaries and scholarships uh, from the provincial government and some have gone abroad. So when they come back, those are also doctors that need to be absorbed. Now, what we've been told anecdotally now is that the the departments prefer to hire from that cohort of those funded by the state. So they prefer to give jobs to their bursary holders, local bursaries and foreign bursaries first before considering anyone else, which I don't really think from where I'm sitting, that's a problem. If you funded them, you have to be able to absorb them into the system. But apparently that's also one of the limitations. And I'm hearing you saying even those doctors can't be absorbed.
3: Yes, that's correct. Those doctors also cannot be absorbed. In fact, some of the provinces, what they are doing now, is to release the, the, those doctors from their obligation. You know, they've got that contractual obligation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are releasing them uh, to say, uh, forget about the contract now. You can go anywhere you want. Uh, you, you so it means that doctor has options. It can uh, go private. Uh, Be a local doctor or even open a a, a private practice or even go abroad. So it means as a South African uh, taxpayer, I am training for other countries Mm. because that's not government money. It's taxpayers' money that has changed those doctors. So those doctors are supposed to be assisting this country. But no, we cannot absorb them. We cannot uh, 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 retain them in the country. So they go abroad, you know, to to work in other countries.
1: Okay. And then finally, um, our understanding was that the doctors that can't find employment are... I think they call them medical officers. They are just coming out of residency, internships and graduation. So they still need to gather a lot of experience. And that's also one of the reasons that their employability is so uh, complicated because they haven't really uh, acquired the necessary skills or time or service or experience in the public health care system. So they wouldn't even be attractive for recruiters abroad because they haven't actually worked.
3: Yeah, the advantage of, of of working in the state is that you have senior colleagues who are in the state who are going to are going to you know guide you. Like you said, those colleagues are uh, they just came out, they've done their internship, two years internship, they've done community service, they've been now registered as independent practitioners, but they still need more, like you said, experience. You know, and the only place they can get that experience is in the state because. In the state, you've got senior colleagues, you know, that are going to assist you, uh, you know, if you need help or you need guidance and stuff like that. So at the moment, they still need that exposure, you know, for them to be to gain that confidence. And, and stuff like that.
1: All right. Dr. Letlape, thank you for your patience. Let's bring you into the situation. And let's talk about the fiscal matters that were raised by Dr. Mzukwa, which is we already know that the government is cash-strapped. That's out in the public domain. The Minister of Finance has been uh, unequivocal about this to the point where most departments have been asked to uh, issue a moratorium on recruitment across the board, right? So... If this is the case, then honestly, what are the prospects of young doctors being absorbed? If the department already has financial problems, but going into the new year, we are expecting um, that across the board, the government is going to not be hiring.
0: Uh, Good morning to the listeners and good morning, Dr. Mzuka. uh, And and thanks for the invitation. Uh, Before I go into the fiscal matters, just to highlight the issue that uh, we should not be using the excuse that the medical officials have no experience, mm. and as such should not be another threat. You must remember that some of those community service doctors are the backbone of service mm. in the public sector. Mm. Some of them sit alone and run hospitals.
2: Mm.
0: Now to turn around and say they can't be employed because they do not have the experience, Is not truthful. All of us go through the same pathway. Mm. So they are seasoned enough. They are needed. They are essential. And there are skills that they can give. Mm to the public health care
1: system and serve the people of South Africa. Uh, Sorry, I feel like so many things are getting lost in translation. I I don't think we were saying that. Certainly, I wasn't saying that. What was said was that because many of them are young doctors who still need that public sector experience, this idea that they would just leave the country, is it true or not true? Because they haven't acquired the necessary skills to just be recruited for overseas uh, employment purposes. They still need... This to be in the system to work, true or false?
0: That is not true. Okay. Um, Mm. South African doctors are well trained and are sought after. So even Mm. as a medical officer, Mm. they are needed. Um, The UK a few years ago went out on a campaign to try and recruit our students that were sent to Cuba, because they structure their health systems as that they need. All uh, levels of experience in their healthcare system. Mm. Okay. Remember, when, when, when you're putting someone at a primary healthcare clinic, mm. you're not asking them to do brain surgery. Yeah. You're asking them to ensure that appropriate treatment occurs at the appropriate level. So trust me, the Western world, the rich countries, mm. are now refocusing. On primary health care mm. because tertiary care is unaffordable. And
1: so for all
0: these people that we are neglecting
1: yeah.
0: are seen as essential cards yeah. to report okay. into those systems. Okay. So let us not make the mistake of thinking that because they are junior, yeah, they are not sought after.
1: Okay. after. I think that's a fair comment. So what you're saying is even if we're looking at these numbers, 314, maybe a 1,000, maybe less, maybe more, if something isn't done now, we could see all of them migrating to other countries because their skills are sought after, where South Africa is not utilizing them.
0: Yeah, don't think they are not attractive to mm-hmm. outside markets. The outside markets are looking for them. Okay. Uh, uh,
1: we're going to take the headlines when we come back. Uh, we can expand more, Dr. Letlape.
0: Speak up. Speak up. Call the power line
1: on 0861-987-000. right, we're trying to understand just the depth and the intensity of the uh, recruitment crisis in public health care uh, with uh, Samatu, uh, the South African uh, Medical Association National Union, supported by Kosatu Denosa and a few others, saying that there's up to 1,000 young doctors who have graduated from university, done their community service and completed their residency or internships, but cannot find placements in the public health care system. So there've obviously been a few discussions and disputes as to what the actual numbers are. Um, We're told by the uh, Medical Research Council, that um, the Health Professionals Council, that we're probably looking at about 314, uh, give or take. But... 1,000 is plausible. The department says on their register it's about 200 who need placements. But 200 in a system that has real, real need is a lot. So is 314 and certainly a 1,000. And what we're told by experts is unless we find a placement for them in the public health care system, rural and urban in South Africa, they have the requisite skills to see them being absorbed abroad even at the junior level. Dr. Jose Litlape is with us. He's the co-founder of the African Medical Association, president of the Africa Harm Reduction Alliance. Dr. Mvuisi Mzukwa, chairperson of the South African Medical Association, uh, is also here um, with us. So, Dr. Litlape, uh, you were still going to talk to us now, fiscally, um, whether the government can afford or not afford um, to hire uh, recruits
0: well fiscally the issue of uh, human resource money funding of posts it's a historical issue it predates this government it has just become exacerbated nowadays i mean when i qualified as an ophthalmologist i could not get a job in the public sector so i had a choice of going into business, starting some other things, going overseas. I had a job offer in the UK or I had to stick around and see what I do and go into private practice. Mm -hmm. I chose to stick around. A lot of these young people, are South Africans, want to serve their communities, want to serve their society Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and choose to stay around. What we need to do is to find the money to fund the post. So unfunded post is a historical problem. It has just become exacerbated because on the little money that we have, we are not spending wisely. We're spending money in the wrong places. You'll never hear of uh, administrative gaps. You'll never hear that we lack administrators. we got far too many administrators. So we're spending the little money that we have in the wrong places. Mm. And posts are not funded. In the HPCSA when I was there, when the government went out and trained a lot of people in Cuba and we needed to increase the number of posts, internship posts in the, in the hospital, posts were established. The problem is always about funding the posts. And we need to rearrange our priorities in health and mm-hmm. spend the money in the right places. Now, there isn't enough money. We need to have special grants. You see, the public system, is the only system where you don't have line budgeting.
2: Right.
0: And what happens is because you don't have line budgeting, you don't have, uh, I've got 100 rands, 40 rands is for human resources, 10 rands is for drugs, yeah. uh, 10 rands is for repairs, uh, 10 rands is for emergencies, etc. Yeah. 10 rands is for equipment. We don't have that. So what happens? Because human resources, particularly the frontline providers, nurses, other healthcare professionals, doctors, are easy meat. When there's no money, that's where they freeze posts. That's where they take money away from to take it elsewhere. Now, Mm. if you have fixed-line budgeting, you will then protect, you'll have the money to employ the people. Mm. So that's one particular problem. So issues are not just insufficient money. It's also Mm. the system itself is not being run properly. And it's in the front line with... Posts are frozen and money is not... spent. You know, people will say we have a crisis. When this person resigns or when this person leaves, don't reappoint. Freeze that post. That's why we get into the crisis that we have. So until we address those issues, these problems will be forever occurring. Now, before you even ask me, the NHI (laughs) will not resolve the issues that we're talking about. Because when you talk about NHI, they talk about it being a purchaser. It's not going to employ doctors for you. It's not going to fix your hospitals for you. It's not going to give you equipment that you need in those places. It's not going to give you security. It's not going to ensure that you have secure supply of power in your hospital. Mm -hmm. So we're creating something that does not address the problems on the ground. Mm -hmm. There's a discordance. It's not going to work. You look at a bill, there's no way where they talk about human resources, uh, how to uh, fund human resources in the public sector. There's no way they talk about how do we make sure that hospitals are properly equipped, that the physical infrastructure is sufficient.
2: Yeah.
0: So you're not just going to create a pot of money that is going to be stolen blind, yeah. that does not address the issues that need to be addressed. Yeah. It's like having an engine problem in your car and choosing to go and buy a set of new tires you still are not that car is still not going anywhere
1: yeah okay so there's the issue of the national health insurance uh, and how it's ring fenced. that money's ring fence protected and overseen uh uh independently By uh, an an agency that is well run with the requisite skills from accounting uh, officers to medical officers, etc. And then there's this issue which I find really interesting of the budgeting, the fixed line budgeting. So, what you're saying is there isn't really a system in the public health care system, in the public uh, health department, that says we need 10 doctors at salary 40,000 rands for argument's sake per 10 doctors. And so we need to make sure that at any given point in time, we've got 4 million rands to pay these wages. Um, It just keeps on being done ad hoc month on month. And if one doctor leaves, you freeze the post and then you take their salary and you reallocate it to fixing the medical equipment at that hospital because you needed it. It's not sitting there as money that's ready to employ someone else. Did I understand that correctly?
0: Uh, You're spending it elsewhere. You might have the MEC appointing two new advisors. All those things come from the same health budget. And because there's no line item, those that authority to expand uh, their expenditure expand their expenditure. Mm-hmm. And nobody cares about there. Nobody says, uh, Ex Le Raptor Hospital, Here, here's your billion rand. But we know that the 500 million rand is for the uh, thousand healthcare posts that you have. Yeah. Can't touch it. That's where it goes. Uh, If there are vacancies, here's the money so that you can fill the vacancies. You'll be amazed at how many people go and apply where there are vacancies. But those CEOs and those hospitals can't do anything because there's no money to pay them.
1: Sure, this is a revelation. Dr. Mzukwa, do you have a comment? Because perhaps that's one of the explanations as to why we're seeing what we're seeing. And it's not even so much that the Ministry of Finance has said, could we just put a hold on mass recruitments in the government as a whole? It's that whatever money was already allocated for for jobs is doing other things and not actually paying salaries of the doctors who could be recruited.
3: I, um, I, I think... I just need to add, you know, on what Dr. Klapp was saying. You know, there's also money that is is, uh, being wasted. You know, for example, you had stories of people buying uh, skinny jeans.
1: Yes, Jambisa.
3: Yes. Uh, I mean, such things and also corruption that is out there. So those are, money is being lost in the system instead of being, I mean, look at the provincial uh, district uh, uh, offices. Uh, You find lots of people are running around uh, with statistics. You don't know what they're doing. They're calling meetings left and right. But, you know, you don't have people on the forefront, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, who are giving services. You'll be told that there's no service, you can't employ. Not only do they freeze these posts, They actually erase them such that when you go there and you look at their vacancies, you find that it's a a very low percentage that is uh, uh, not covered, Mm
2: -hmm. you know. uh,
3: The vacancy rate is very low. But actually, if you go to their organogram, that's when you will find that, you know, that's where, you know, the gap is. So Mm -hmm. what we are facing now is uh, we're dealing with unscrupulous uh, officials who are even uh, hiding information to the public to uh, acting as if you know there's low vacancy rate uh, actually when you get on the ground we need a lot of mm. those people okay i mean our view regarding the nhi is clear uh, it's exactly what we've articulated like dr was saying to say you want to fix a system, but you are not actually fixing this system. Yeah. You are actually using this uh, 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 policy as as an electioneering uh, electioneering tool, you know. Um, but you're not attending to the real issues that we're mm. facing on the ground. And the face the issues that we're facing on the ground, like it was articulated earlier on, is the shortages of staff mm. uh, on okay. the ground. You know, we don't have enough nurses. We don't have enough doctors. doctors. Yeah. Um, we've got dilapidating infrastructure. Our hospitals are rotten. Yeah. You know, those are the things that uh, this government must focus on if we are to attend to this matter yeah. of health But also not forget that we have got rural areas. That must be, you know, there so are no just, hospitals there. Yeah. If you bring this NHI, how, I, uh, how are they going to benefit? Because mm-hmm. they're still going to travel four hours to the hospital. Yeah. So it doesn't help them. The issue of access to quality healthcare, you have not been addressed, and it's not going to be addressed by the NHI, as we already said, you know, and the, also the issue of corruption, yeah. you know. I mean, tell us which uh, part of the system, of the sector that has been touched by this government, that has worked. Yeah. All of them are falling apart. You look at education, you look at this. I mean, in the, in, in the rural areas, like rural provinces, like the Eastern Cape, uh, yeah. m- About eighty percent of those villages don't have water, running water, Mm -hmm. and you're coming with NHI. How is it going to uh, solve there? Because what we want as the nation, we don't want to get sick. We want prevention of sickness and provision of clean water is what we need.
1: All right. So there's many, many things you've said on the social infrastructure side, um, and and just the basic. Uh, demand uh, and supply issues that are not being dealt with. Just before we go to some of our callers, Dr. Letlape, there's two things. Um, firstly, actually, let me just say to the listeners, we did invite the department uh, to join this conversation, but they didn't even respond, uh, I'm told, or they didn't respond with a definite answer as to yes or no. So we have reached out, and if they're not here, uh, it's it's not for want of trying. But according to a 2020 Global Healthcare Index, South Africa's healthcare system ranks 49 out of 89 countries. So almost slap, bam, in the middle. It's neither bad nor good. It's just straight down the middle, 49 out of 89 countries, Uh, especially when it comes to accessibility uh, for uh, rural areas. And when it also comes to issues of staff retention in the system, 49 out of 89. So this is a quality of care, a care access issue, Dr. Letlape. And then the second issue that I'd like you to speak to is the fact that what COVID taught us is that we can't predict the next pandemic. The only thing we can do is uh, be ready for whatever the next pandemic is. And that is uh, with procurement structures for vaccines, manufacturing of vaccines, dealing with medical research. And we know that um, South Africa really excelled on the uh, virology side, trying to identify different strains of COVID. But it's the ecosystem around that innovation that still needs to be worked through. Do you see sufficient work happening there?
0: Uh, I I think we we, we need to be careful about the victories of COVID. Mm. Because what COVID showed was that globally, health systems are not ready for health emergencies, mm-hmm. even in the first world countries. You mm-hmm. saw the carnage that was occurring in Italy. You saw the carnage that was occurring in the US, in New York, in many of their major cities mm-hmm. that they couldn't cope So, one of the things that came before you even go to those issues of technology, IP, one of the things that came out of COVID is that you don't have enough human resources, even in the rich countries. You saw the burden in ICUs, you saw the burnout, you saw the insufficiency. Mm. So the issue of attending to human resources in health better, it's a global crisis, not just a crisis in South Africa. Right. But coming back to the issues about what what are the things that could be learned around COVID, people need to remember that we didn't have a sufficient penetration of vaccination in the country to think that the successes that we have can only be pinned on vaccination. There are neighboring countries where they had HIV and they had no access to vaccine. So the other issues of a properly working healthcare system, properly resourced, you know, tracing, isolation, that requires human resources. It's not technology dependent, it's human resource dependent. Those things are important. So when you have an infectious disease, let us not undermine the common sense that the key way of dealing with it is to curb the spread of the infection. It does not mean vaccines are not important. But vaccines should be used in a targeted manner, targeting the vulnerable communities. We've seen the scramble the issue that you're going to try and vaccinate everybody. We've seen that it is not possible. And it's creating hardships. Yeah. So even though we'll still be looking at vaccine production, economic opportunities, and we need to commend our scientists in terms of picking up the strain and being there in terms of knowledge, that's what South Africa has always been around. Yeah. I mean, South Africa gave the world its its first uh, open heart transfer. Yeah. So, so, so we will always be there, but we must not forget the issues on the service side. Okay. So when we talk about those vaccines, we must be talking about who gets them, how they access them, etc. We've done well in certain right. aspects. But remember, the skinny jeans were also bought around the issues mm. pertaining to COVID and the emergency.
1: Okay, so governance now, here, remain here, issues here.
0: Yeah. yeah. Here's the main point that I'd like to make, is that, If we want to sort out the human resource issues, we should stop this budgeting where you throw money at provinces and they can do what they want. It must be aligned to when you have a conditional grant, you're saying, I want X amount, I'm going to use it for one, two, and three. And you are given to use it specifically for one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. Let's reverse engineer it. The hospitals must come to the center and say, I need 1.2 billion rents to run my hospital. Here's my breakdown. And you give them the 1.2 billion on condition that it's going to be spent on the things that they have listed. If they want to do something outside, they must ask for money for that specific issue. We will have a much better working healthcare system that will not grow in the wrong path and grow in the right path because you'll be funded for saying this is what I if, I if i have a 200 bed hospital from the hr plan i would know how many nurses i need how much security i need how many lab technicians i need okay. how many doctors i need how, how many uh, pharmacists i need etc etc and that should be funded because we have the salary scales and you must give me the money to be able to run that hospital Properly. Okay. so people don't come there and I've got a 200bed hospital with two doctors mm.
1: yeah okay. and three nurses all right so we are and
0: then, then it doesn't work okay. so let's go back to basics and re- if we've got system problems a lot has been said about the fact that in South Africa we have a lot of money in health
1: yeah. we're just not using it correctly
0: properly yeah. to benefit all citizens
1: all right and we're just not plugging the necessary human resource gaps and um, uh, medical distribution gaps as well. Lafuko you've got but something to say? The, the other thing is
3: yeah. what what has happened oh. is that we've neglected the prevention, you know. We are we're talking about, you know, a healthcare system thats is is hospital-centric. We're waiting for people to get ill mm-hmm. and then uh, attend to them. Yeah. We've neglected the the primary health care where prevention occurs. Where contraception occurs, where everything else, yeah. you know, education of communities are okay. So, it, 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 COVID has told us or has taught us that if we neglect, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, screening in terms of uh, looking who is um, diabetic, who is hypertensive, and stuff like that, everything that is done in the primary uh, primary health care level, right. you know, we are going to face challenges. Because what happened then uh, during COVID was that we had a system that was overwhelmed in terms of the numbers that were attending okay. the hospitals. And the, the healthcare staff were all, all also uh, overburdened. Mm-hmm. So we, we cannot, as a country, focus on the big hospitals and all, all those tertiary services. Right. We do need to go back to our basics and look at the primary healthcare. And hence, we cannot afford to lose those, these doctors to other countries. Okay.
1: Le Foucault, in Northwest, you'd like to say something. Good
2: morning. Yes. You know, sometimes it's a bit depressing when it seems you can get uh, such easy access to great minds like this with such seemingly simple uh, opinions and options, but the government cannot. For example, there are students that are privately paid for by their parents, etc., mm. to study medicine overseas. My question is, when they come back, why... Why should they actually do community service? Because they were not trained by the hospitals in in South Africa, and they did. And and would it, wouldn't that reduce the backlog of trying to put everyone through the public sector community service? Whereas these students that come from overseas and they were privately paid for, can they just write that HBCSA exam, which doesn't have a set date, mm. and then they can go about maybe? If they cannot go into public, they have an option to go to private. It seems like we're just clogging the public sector, and they, they, there's no money for it.
4: I, I, okay. I just don't understand it.
1: All right, so Thanks. people should have the choice, is, is what I'm hearing you say. Uh, Stim, so good morning.
4: Hi, good morning, Lerato, and good morning to good doc. And yeah, I have a you know questions and comments uh, for for the doc, for the doctors. Um, I mean, first. Um, it it would be good to, you know, understand the the race uh, and gender profile uh, of the doctors that are starting to get work uh, in the public health uh, services. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
4: I've noted the issue uh, of doctors being trained um, abroad having challenges with uh, entering the healthcare system, mm-hmm. and it would be good to know as to what exactly um, SAMA and others are doing uh, to that effect, because it suggests to me that they. State which funds these programs do not consider these programs uh, as uh, of high quality. Uh, I also suspect okay. that this could be an issue of you know medicine and bioscience regulating itself. you know they set the rules and apply the rules themselves, and they could be the very institutions that are discriminating uh, against this particular uh, young doctor. Okay. Also the third issue. Uh, to what degree uh, is the issue uh, of uh, foreign nationals entering the medical, um, you know, profession in the country contributing to this particular situation?
1: The burden. I mean, because I
4: believe that medicine will be, re- you know, regarded as a specialty skill. You know, and how is that regulated? I mean, is it an issue, and how is it uh, regulated? Uh, can I,
1: stem- stem so I just need clarity. This- Sorry. <laughs> oh. So when you okay. say the, the 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 foreign nationals, you mean the ones using the medical s- uh, services, or the doctors coming in from other countries?
4: doctors coming in in the other countries okay. to work as medical yeah and also working in research okay. institutions because okay. positions for doctors are not just you know in the clinical sense okay. you know they are also medical research projects the very last one is about uh, the commercialization of medicine you know that you find doctors that have employment in the public sector but also working in private practice having, you know private practice okay. and the question is are those not blocking the younger doctors who are coming into the profession nice. from
1: accessing employment. Thank you very much. All right. So quite a lot of questions there, Dr. Littlap, but Do you want to help with some of these issues?
0: Yeah, I, I, I think uh, with due respect, those questions would require a separate session. Mm. Because what we're talking about now is a common pathway, irrespective of where you come from. Can you find employment? Whether you are a self-funded uh, uh, overseas training locally trained, or you were trained elsewhere, you're coming. We're we now dealing with the problems in the common pathway. The problems that she raises are problems that need to be attended to. The problems of people that do ARWAPs and, and how it gets abused mm. and the impact it has on services and training, that would require a session on its own. But the points that she raises are important points. Okay. The key, key issue for today's thing is that there is no fund we produce from all sources, all the sources that he's talking about, but we have no absorptive capacity. Okay. So Th- the problem in South Africa is not that we face right now is not availability of healthcare professionals, or doctors in particular. It's absorbing oh, into industry, the system, yeah. public healthcare system, and there's no funding for that. And money that should have gone to that has gone okay. elsewhere, and we need to repatriate it okay. back to human resources so that we can employ sufficient nurses, sufficient okay. pharmacists, sufficient healthcare professionals, and sufficient other uh, mm. human resources that are needed. All
1: right. Dr. Mzuko, I don't know if you want to add as we say goodbye. The one thing she did raise, it's an issue that keeps coming up, is even if there was a scarcity of posts, even if there was line budgeting, as Dr. Letlapes spoke about, many positions are held by foreign doctors recruited into the system. And so there's this narrative that foreign doctors work in South African hospitals, uh, qualified, nobody's questioning their ability, but South African doctors are not in the hospital. Is that a fair comment or not?
3: Well, I wouldn't uh, comment on that uh, because I I, I really don't have the numbers uh, to Mm -hmm. say that, you know, I mean, we're talking about a high number of unemployed doctors. I'm not sure if those doctors are, you know, really occupying such positions. Mm. But uh, to also, you remember that uh, when when these doctors are hired in the country, they're usually looking for specific uh, uh, skills. It's not just uh, that you are a doctor and that's it. So there are special skills that they are looking for. So uh, you you would have to look at what are those skills that are in the country. Maybe those that are occupying the spaces for those that are already in the system.
1: All right. Gentlemen, thank you very much. I think it was well said that we are talking how to recruit and how to retain up to a 1,000 young doctors in the South African system. And the issue is on the um, recruitment side. The second issue is on the line budgeting side, making sure there's actually money to pay them consistently and to replace them if they move on elsewhere. And then the second issue is making sure that when new introductions are made, such as a national health insurance system, the building blocks are predicated on governance so that we're not using taxpayers' money. Uh, in a way that leads to wastage, because that wastage would then create a burden on the system, overburdening the very doctors who already are overworked, uh, under-remunerated, and would disincentivize them coming into the public system. It's a whole range of those issues is what I've understood to be the case. So we thank you, Dr. Khosil Zappe and Dr. Vuisi Mzukwa. It's been the Monday edition of Power Talk. We'll again tomorrow.